If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as our text for today, 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, before I read the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just wanted to give you a perspective. I'll be sharing more tonight, and so hopefully you'll get a taste this morning, but then tonight come and hear even more as to what I believe God's calling us to this year uh, as a church body. Uh, the theme we have uh, set aside for this year spiritually is gospel renewal. And so we're going to be looking at that even more so tonight, what that looks like, what that means, where we are as a church, and why that's so important right now in the life of our church where we are as a congregation. And so uh, today, though, I'll be launching into this theme, and over the next few weeks, we're going to have some opportunities in the Scriptures to look at the subject of being renewed spiritually in the gospel of grace in our own life, in the life of our church corporately together. And so uh, that's kind of our focus and theme this year, preparing us for hopefully the next step that God is calling us to as a church body, as a family together. So if you will look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. That's our context, and I'll be focusing primarily on verses 16 through 18 in our text today. Listen as I read God's Word. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken, since we have that same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray together. Father, how true your words are, not just, of course, because they are your words and you are truth, but also as they're tested, as they're tried in our own lives, we find them to be true. We thank you that that which we experience day by day proves that what you proclaim, what your son has done, is not only very true, but very real for us. Thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. 
Before we jump into the focus of this text, I want to give a little background. We're kind of jumping into the book of First Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Corinthians, and kind of maybe you've not been familiar with these particular parts of the New Testament, uh, these letters of Paul, the Apostle Paul. But Second um, Corinthians, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul had first preached in Corinth on his second missionary journey. You read through the book of Acts in the New Testament right after the Gospels, and you can kind of see these particular uh, journeys of Paul and his missionary uh, call and endeavors. And Paul eventually landed in a place in that region called Ephesus. The book of Ephesians was written to the people of Ephesus, the church there, where Paul stayed there for three years and wrote his first letter to the believers in Corinth, that's where we get 1 Corinthians, that letter. That was around <clears throat> somewhere in the vicinity of A.D. 57. But then due to uh, great riots that happened in that region, Paul had to leave Ephesus in A.D. 57, and he went to Macedonia, to that region, where he would meet up with a man named Titus. Now you read there in the book of Acts, who had recently left Corinth himself and was traveling, and he told Paul just how much that letter had done for the people there in Corinth. But there also was mentioned, and it came known to Paul, some leaders there in Corinth who really struggled and cast doubts that Paul was who he says he was, his credibility even as an apostle. And so, Paul felt it in the spirit of the Lord necessary to also then write a second letter to Corinth. And he did so, addressing many things, but his second letter he gave to Titus, who then traveled on ahead of him, ahead of him back to Corinth, where then Paul would later arrive in the winter of the following year. Much of 2 Corinthians, if you read over the book itself, won't, it wouldn't take long. If you read the letter even this afternoon, you would find that it would be Paul's somewhat of a vindication proclamation of his own apostleship and his ministry, but also describing the ministry of suffering, the experience in his own life, and the hope that he has in God's grace and his call in Paul's life, but also Paul's challenge to the believers there and the believers here today, all of us, his challenge to join him in that spiritual journey and understanding of what that means for our own life. And so he brings us to write this, we come to this letter with that understanding as a backdrop, and Paul is speaking, particularly in verses 16 through 18, about not losing heart. In the midst of serving the Lord, walking with the Lord, pursuing what God has given each one of us in our lives, just as Paul did and everyone else in his day did, to not lose heart. Gospel renewal, as we're calling this focus, is absolutely necessary, you see. God, being renewed in the grace of God for a Christian, for a believer, it's necessary. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just something that we need to consider maybe experiencing or, or looking at, looking into one day. It's vital for us as Christians to experience spiritual renewal over and over regularly and often in our lives, pursuing the Lord himself in that process of renewal. Why? Why is gospel renewal necessary? Well, as Paul says in verse 16, we do not desire to lose heart. And that's easy to do sometimes, to lose heart. What does that mean? To, to lose maybe our hope, to lose 
uh, our desire to lose that understanding, that, that view of the eternal perspective, as Paul speaks of, of the unseen, as God sees that which we can't see so clearly, to lose that, to, for it to wane or even diminish to a degree that maybe it's even absent, and we can't really know what God is doing. So to not lose heart, it's absolutely necessary for us to be renewed in God's grace. You know, the Christian life, it is not easy. It is not easy. No one becomes a believer and then finds out everything is now taken care of, that I have a relationship with the Lord. In fact, often things are revealed, and they are, in our lives that we never understood were even there in our heart. We never understood the perspective spiritually that we do now that we have eyes to see. And so we begin to understand God's love and call in our life. There's a reason why Jesus said, small is the gate and narrow is the way, the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Words of Jesus. Why would he say such a thing? It's true. It's true that narrow is the road and only a few are on that narrow road that God calls and that he makes his own children. That is absolutely the call of our life as Christians. It's not easy to walk with Christ. Yet, Jesus says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And that is true for we must place these burdens upon him and not carry them ourselves. We must share even the load of our burdens with one another and help one another carry those as Christ has carried the weight of it all. But yet, it's necessary to be renewed. Verse 8 and 9, he uh, earlier in the context says, we're hard-pressed, Paul says, on every side. We're crushed. We're, or we're, we're, we're pressed, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. You see, he, he constantly is saying, there's the difficulty, the pressing upon us, the, the, the challenges in the life of a believer. And yet, each time with those pressings and with those difficulties, those trials, those struggles, those temptations, we're not beyond God's care, his sovereign love, his reach, and his protection. Each and every time we're being pressed. For as believers, we are being pressed. Maybe you don't feel it right now. Maybe you're not realizing it. Maybe you are. Maybe this very hour, you know exactly what I'm saying, what Paul's saying, what the Lord is saying in his word about being pressed, about feeling that pressing in your life and needing the renewing spirit of God. You know, being a disciple of Christ is a challenging road to walk, not just because it's narrow. It's just a challenging road. For all who follow the Lord Jesus, trouble and hardship, they are part of that road. They are. And it just depends on what and how we go about walking that road and following the Lord Jesus as to what that will look like. And it will be different for every single one of us. The challenge is not to look at the brother or sister to the left or the right of us and to look at how they're 
walking their road is going and say, well, they don't seem to be struggling on their narrow road. My road is really bad. I've got lots of potholes and rocks and debris, and, and in fact, I don't even know how to get through this roadblock in my road, but their road seems to be paved with glass and sparkling and fine, and we look, and yet it's just not that way. All of us have a different way on the narrow road. Renewal along that road is absolutely necessary. In fact, Paul told Timothy, his young pastor disciple that he loved and mentored and poured himself into, these very words in 2 Timothy 3. He said to Timothy, Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that's not an option. Paul reminds us, just as Jesus did, those of us who are in Christ will find hardship. We will, at times, even be persecuted. This is how we are called to renewal. It's necessary for when we are in hardships, when we are suffering, when we are persecuted, we need to be in that renewing grace of God constantly. Like I mentioned last week in my time away this summer, I realized even more clearly my own temptation, my own temptation to possibly lose heart and to need the renewing love of Jesus again daily over and over again and to go back to the well to go back to the well again, keep going back and dipping the bucket of God's grace and bringing it back up every, sometimes, as we all know, more than once a day, not more than morning, noon, and night, even between and mid-morning and in mid-afternoon and late at night and sometimes in the middle of the night, having to go back to the well of God's love and His grace. You know, we're not robots, are we? We're just not. We're not Vulcans like Star Trek where we aren't affected emotionally or any aspect, where something comes into our life, it's a hardship, something is difficult, and we are not affected by it at all. We're not like that. We're not made that way. We're not created in God's image that way. We're created with a mind, with emotions, with a will, with all aspects, our physical being. It's all interconnected. It's all there. And yet, God promises to renew all of that. In a process of that in that relationship with Him, God made us with so many different dimensions of emotions and desires, aspirations, hopes, fears. We all have them. We all have them, and God knows that the way He's made us. And so, being renewed is necessary. We all must find renewal in the Lord Jesus, but also we need renewal because. Our existence in this life is always declining. You ever thought about that? Your, at least our physical, our temporal existence, the shell that contains, so to speak, the spirit, the God, the soul that God has created, it's in decline. It is always in decline. No matter what age you are, from the moment that you're born, it's 
even conception, it's in decline, continually challenging all of us in so many ways. Paul says in verse 16, though outwardly we're wasting away. In verse 11, he says, we're always being given over to death. Not necessarily the most pleasant thought to have in your maybe 20-something-year-old life right now. Oh, yeah, I'm always thinking about being given over to death daily. That's not what we think, but we, we are. We're, all of us are every day one step closer to what God has for us. And so we trust him in that. And as we get older, I know as I'm getting older, and I look back and over a quarter of the time that God's given me already in my life, and I, I see that which has happened, and I see not knowing what is ahead, not knowing, but trusting. We're always in need of renewal because we're in decline. You know, God's put physical laws in this universe that he's created. He's put them in place. That's why we have the understanding of the law of entropy. You know what the law of entropy is? Of things that are always, so to speak, uh, unwinding, declining. Things are running down. They are. Batteries. Always got to be replacing batteries. They just can't sustain themselves forever and ever. Well, nothing can in its own because we're in a place that has been marred by what has happened after Adam's sin. And all that is deteriorating in the decline. The scriptures are clear that ever since the fall of man, in the beginning after creation and the fall that occurred morally and the break with the relationship with the one who created, that everything was marred and affected by that sin. Everything now has been affected. All of creation now fights the effects of Adamic sin. And all of Adam's progeny, since he and Eve, every single person that was born from man in that way, have experienced spiritual bankruptcy. Every single one of us here, mankind struggling with the world, the flesh, and the evil one. We struggle with all three, and all three are battling against God's redemptive purposes in our life. The world flesh and the evil one are battling. It's a war that's raging and it's for us, wanting to pull us away from what God is redeeming, what he is renewing, what he is recreating in us and what that means for us in him. That is the challenge. For you and me, spiritual renewal, it's not an option. It can't be. It's absolutely necessary to be renewed in God's grace. So it's necessary, but also, secondly, gospel renewal is incremental. It's incremental. What do I mean by that when I say gospel renewal is incremental? Well, Paul says again in verse 16, we are being renewed day by day. Day by day. Paul didn't say we're being renewed once a year, once a decade, a quarter of a century, once in our lifetime, we will be renewed. It will be just one instance, and that's it. You're, you're renewed until it's over. No, it's an incremental process. It's day by day by day by day, walking with the Lord and being renewed 
in him. The Apostle Paul understood being renewed in the gospel is not easy, nor is it quick, usually. It's not easy, nor is it quick and short-lived. Renewal is constant. Renewal is repeated. You know, there are times in your life and my life spiritually where in our spiritual health, we have significant, measurable growth and renewal. Sometimes it may happen almost instantaneously or a significant short period of time. Maybe a decision was made. Maybe a habit was begun. Something that God gave us grace in in a particular day. You may have a moment in time where you know on April 23rd of a certain year this happened and God showed you something significant or a particular week in your life. That happens. But if you look back over your life like I have mine even this week, those experiences, though they exist, aren't probably the normative experience of my spiritual life and walk with God. They're not the normative. They're, in a, in a sense, they're the exception. They're good. They're encouraging. And maybe you recently had one of those aha moments or experiences of God's Spirit pouring Himself over you and through you. And that's wonderful. God gives us those gifts but that's probably not going to happen every day for the rest of your life, every week for the rest of your life. And so, it's important to understand that renewal, spiritually, is more incremental. Just as Paul says, it's day by day by day. The majority of the Christian life is a daily walk of renewal of faith and repentance. Learning, struggling, achieving, failing over and over again. The same thing, possibly, learning and failing and then achieving and learning and failing again and again. Growing and experiencing that. <clears throat> you know, I really enjoyed watching some of the Olympics when they came on. Anybody watch the Olympics here? Okay. It, it was obviously very inspiring in many ways, the stories and all the athletes from all the people all over the world, all the countries, and the things you heard and learned about people in their lives in this world experience, uh, what they were experiencing as athletes. But you know, most, you think about how many, I don't even know the numbers of how many thousands of athletes were in the Olympics themselves this particular go around. But think of all the Olympic athletes and how many of them actually win a medal. I don't mean a gold, I mean any of the three, silver or bronze. How many of those athletes that even attended the Olympics uh, won a medal? It's the it's the smaller number, for sure, right? That stood on the podium. But then think of all the athletes that even never made it to the Olympics, but were for years and years training just to get to the Olympics, and the number gets even larger. So it's very few that experience that incredible moment of standing on the podium and receiving a medal, rewarding them for all of their faithful effort. So many have spent thousands and thousands of hours faithfully working towards a goal for years and years, not just four years, some of them 12, 16, 20 years, some of them all their life just to be there for that one. And sometimes it came down to hundreds of a second moment and it was gone. All that process, you know, I'm sure that their improvement as Olympic world-class athletes was, over those years, incremental. They improved little by little by little each day. 
That's why they had to train for years and years and years and years for that one opportunity because it was incremental. They just didn't start when they were 15, 20 years old and all of a sudden within a few weeks they're like world-class level. Years of very small incremental growth as an athlete. And then all of a sudden they're at that level of a world-class athlete and they're competing at that level. That's the process of an Olympic athlete. It's no different for us spiritually. It's a process of incrementally every day of our life. Trusting, renewing, growing in grace, experiencing by faith, understanding what deeper repentance means in our life, knowing the Lord every single day. You know, the key to verse 17, I think, in part, as we look when Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, is this. The verb is the present tense, and therefore it is communicating that are achieving a continual action. It's continuous action. We are always in that process of achieving that which is weighted in glory. We're always in that process. You see, it's continuous. It's all the time. Often, though, and if you're like me, sometimes we look around us and we perceive others in the body of Christ or maybe outside of our particular church and out in the community, other believers we might know. We look at those close to us or in proximity where we can see their lives and we perceive them as being such spiritual giants, right? You see some people, or maybe it's someone you've read a book they've written, or you've heard them preach, or heard them speak, or gone to a conference, or whatever, and all of a sudden you just perceive that they are just this spiritual giant, and you just feel so small spiritually next to them, and you, you, you think, I'll never be like that. I'll never achieve spiritual heights that they seem to be breathing that air that's so thin that I don't even know what that's like. I, I'll never do that. And so we struggle looking at others sometimes, thinking, you know, I, I just don't know if I'll ever be like that, and we become discouraged. And yet that's not at all what God desires for us to do, is to put away the comparisons, just to simply trust Him and walk with Him daily, incrementally, letting God renew our hearts towards Him, being faithful to what He's given you, where you live, where you have, what is on your plate, what is in your life, in your family, in your job, in your situation, that is what God's given you. And you deal with that as God has given you opportunity. And that's all he desires for you, for me to do. We can do no more, nor should we do any less than what that is for each one of us God has given us. You know, sometimes I think, uh, I don't know, it's probably just a perception that um, as a pastor, my family and I are maybe viewed as kind of this spiritual beaver, leave it to beaver, cleaver family that's just have no problems. And that's just not the case. We are not that way at all. We're just like you. We have struggles. I have three teenage daughters that I love greatly. I'm so glad that God gave me three girls. Um, and yet, they're just like any other preteen, teenage girls. They have their issues, and we have our issues as parents, and we have issues in our marriage, and we work through them. And there are struggles at times that are very challenging, and then sometimes they're kind of small. And we ebb and flow and walk and live daily as a family, and we have the very same similar things as anyone else. 
And we walk and we ask for God to renew us, to give us, again, his spirit, his grace. We need it just like anyone else. You know, the truth is that our perceptions often of others are sometimes misinformed. We're misguided. We, we, we perceive what we think is really not accurate because everyone needs the renewing grace of God. We all do. Whether there's some significant challenges in our life, in our families right now, or whether there are seemingly less right now. In any case, we all need the renewing grace, and it's going to be an incremental step by step. You see, being renewed, being spiritually renewed by God, is more often, as I've said, an extended chain of micro-spiritual experiences linked together day by day, accumulating as we daily interact with the living God. That's what the Christian life, I just described it for you. You're welcome. Um, it is hooking together day by day, micro-spiritual experience of the living God in our life and knowing him and growing in him and learning who he is and what he's called us to every day. And sometimes we fall flat on our face, and it hurts a lot. Sometimes things come in and hit us on the backside of the head that we never saw coming, but God knew it was coming. And we have to really lean on him like we never thought we ever could. Whatever it is, it is incremental day by day. Eventually, you will, we do look back over time, and we just see how God's perfecting work of his grace and renewing us is truly there. Sometimes you can't see that renewing grace, that renewing process that God's doing in us. He desires because it is so incremental until you look back over two, three, four, five, ten years and you go, wow, look what God has done. Look what God has done. I say the same type of, uh, I have the same perspective when I look back over a decade or so of Christ's community existing as a church. When we first started, there were so many things I thought, well, God, this is just too big. I don't know how this is going to happen. And then he did something one week, one month, one year. And now looking back over this, this, this corridor of time that we've been here, so many things today where I sit, I'm like, wow. Look back at what God's done, and I, I'm amazed at what he has done, where he has brought his church to this day at this time for what he's called us unto. Renewing is incremental. The third and last thought that I think is clear from Paul's words is this. Gospel renewal is also unmatched eternally. It's unmatched. Look at verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's achieving this eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul really clarifies now just how our being pressed, being pressed in this life has eternal purpose and reason. You see, we're not just pressed just for the sake of being pressed. God doesn't allow for you to be pressed just because he gets his kicks in heaven about it. 
That's not what God is like. He doesn't allow things to happen in our life just for the sake of it just happening. It is part of a divine purpose, a redemptive purpose that he's doing. He's fulfilling. He is overseeing. He is managing. And he is bringing to fullness, to completion, in us, through us, in this world, in his church. So often things that happen to you and to me, and I hate to tell you this, it's not about you. Sorry, I'll let you down easy. When something happens in our life that we didn't expect and we're struggling with whatever that is, it's not about you, really. It's about what God is trying to do maybe in some other situation, maybe, in his church or in the world or in a relationship that you have or in someone else that does not know him at that time. Or maybe they do, but they need something that God is doing in you to you, to, for God to accomplish that over here. You can't understand it and you can't see it. But you don't have to. I know you want to. I want to. But it's not about us again. It's about him, what he's trying to do. So, we trust. So, we take the incremental steps day by day. And we wait, and we watch, and we pray, and we listen, and we hope, and we love, and we hurt, and we know he's there. Every single step. It's not about us, because it's about what he's doing eternally. You know, Paul shows us here, he tells us that a Christian can truly grasp God's purposes regarding their hardship and their struggles in this life. You know, first of all, in a way, it's kind of ironic. I mean, for the Apostle Paul himself to be the one to state, verse 17, to describe his own personal hardships, which he's doing to these people in Corinth, and struggles in spreading the gospel as light and momentary. That's how he describes his life, the struggles and things he's gone through. Oh, these light and momentary struggles that I have experienced. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. That just doesn't seem to equate light and momentary and what Paul has been through already in his life as a believer, as one who proclaims the gospel. And yet, that's what he says. Paul's life and his missionary journeys, he was beaten many times. I don't mean like a slap, beaten physically, or his body was almost pulverized because of the fierceness of his beatings. He was whipped, starved, shipwrecked, abandoned, left for dead, run out on a rail many times from many towns, left alone to die, ridiculed, chained, imprisoned, and eventually martyred for proclaiming the gospel. This was his light and momentary hardships. And yet he says that he, how can someone who went through that say they're light and momentary? He's lying, right? He's got to be. No, he's not lying. How in the world can someone go through that life and describe his life like that? How can he reflect on it like that? It's because he sees it 
through God's eyes that he's given, God's given him. He sees it in light of eternity. He sees it in light of God's eternal purposes in through him. He sees this temporary run, this sprint, compared to all eternity, and it just pales in comparison. Simply put, it pales in comparison. That's what he's saying. It just, there is no compare, it's unmatched. What I go through now, now, don't get me wrong. If you're going or having, maybe will, go through difficult, very difficult life experiences. It's not to diminish them or to say, just get over it. Not at all. They're very difficult. And yet, as Paul also experienced those difficulties, there is the opportunity, spiritually, to view them with eternal eyes and to see them unmatched in light of what God has given us for all eternity in himself and in his son. This week, uh, some of you know, some of you don't, one of our members, Danny Thomas, uh, has been moved to a, uh, a different facility. He's in a, a new place right now, a new home, or he's um, uh, there in Marietta. And I had a chance to go, opportunity to go visit with Danny on Friday evening and was there with him. And uh, I came in just as it was about time for uh, the routine of putting him to bed from the wheelchair. And this is a new facility. They're, they're learning about how to do what they need to do to help Danny in his situation. He's if it's, so for those of you that don't know Danny, he's a quadriplegic, and often you'll see him maybe on Sunday mornings there in his wheelchair in the back, which he won't be there for several weeks right now as he's trying to get acclimated to his situation. But I was there and um, watched the process and actually was involved in the process with those that were there and participated. It's just hard to put into words what you experience with someone can't move his arms and legs. It's impossible. And I, I went home, time to go to bed. I got in bed and turned over and went to sleep. That easy. Took 10 seconds to go to bed for me. Not him. Just a process. It's amazing what God does to reveal to us his glory and what he's trying to do. And yet Danny is absolutely at peace. He struggles, but he's at peace that this is where God has him. God didn't take his life four years ago. Didn't take his life four years. He could have took his life four years ago in that car wreck, but he didn't for a eternal purpose. And that's what I try to encourage him with that that Friday evening, as it is hard. We all have those things that God calls us to, and we have to see them in light of eternity. You know, here's the key. It's not that afflictions or troubles themselves, it's not what Paul's saying is that the afflictions themselves merit eternal glory. For if that were true, we'd be, we would all be running, running over each other to try to have afflictions, to have more glory. No. None of us are doing that because that's not what it is. If this were true, then all of us would desire and seek out hardships, but that's not what it is. 
Instead, God allows trials and hardships to enter our lives. And through those hardships, God produces eternal glory for us. That's what he does. What an amazing blessing that is. But it's also a mystery, isn't it? What a mystery that that's how eternal glory is accumulated and how God does that. It's a, I don't understand it. Paul tries to describe it in words, but yet I don't understand it. Paul, he's basically describing two movements here. Two movements in verses 16 through 18. One movement is in decline. One movement is decline. That's this life, temporally, okay? And it's in decline. But then the other movement is on the incline, and that is being renewed spiritually day by day. That's how it's supposed to be. One's going up at the same time the other is going down. You see, these two actions are simultaneously occurring in every single one of us. But that's how God has purposed it to be. What we have to do is continue to focus on this incline and being renewed here because this line continues for all eternity. And that's the most important thing. It never stops. We are living in eternity now, spiritually. We just happen to have some hindrances in this earthly vessel. Not to, dim to diminish suffering in this life, but for some of us here, suffering and, and hardship is very great right now, and it's requiring a lot of heavy lifting. I know that's true in some of your lives. But whatever we go through, as Paul has said in his own life, it pales in comparison to what we will experience one day. That is our hope, and it's secure because Jesus has made it so.